Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. And this week, I'm excited to talk with Mike Williams. He's the author of Doing to Done, Productivity Made Simple, Illustrated for Busy People Like Us. And we'll get into the who that like us is referring to. And I want to call out that this is an amazing book. It is short. It is simple. It is to the point. And again, as the title states, it is illustrated, meaning it is not some big tome of productivity knowledge handed down from on high. This is lived and breathed productivity experience distilled down into simple, applicable steps with illustrations just to get past that whole reading through pages and pages of text that can be daunting. This is a short and quick read that is potent. A little bit more about Mike. He's a speaker, an author, an executive, and coach who you may be familiar with most likely from his work with David Allen in the David Allen Company. He also has worked with Zappos. I've wanted to have Mike on for a while. This book is a great reason. So in keeping with the brevity and potency of the book, I'm going to get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Mike Williams. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Mike Williams. Mike, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. Eric, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be with you. Yes. We should have done this a long time ago. I was semi-aware of you back when I've had you know David Allen on the show a number of times. In fact, he was one of the first big gets that I had. And I, a funny story, I don't know if a lot of listeners know this, but I thought, okay, I eventually want to get him. So within the first couple of weeks of starting the show years ago, I reached out through the website and his wife returned the email within 24 hours and said he'd love to do it. I thought I was going to have to start asking you know, over and over to kind of, you know, air quotes, wear him down, did not anticipate that. And he'd been on a number of times. And then when you co-wrote a book with him a while ago, the Getting Things Done for Teens book, I thought, oh, I should have Mike. But then the scheduling, he was the one that was available and said, okay, I'll settle for (laughs) David Allen. (laughs) So I am really thrilled to finally have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. And and David is so generous with his podcasting, and I'm glad you got him. Because he's so full of good stories and wisdom. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's been a while since I've talked, but I'm sure at some point here it'll happen again soon. But you were doing things pre and post David Allen Company and all of that is fascinating. And obviously it always kind of had in the back of my mind, I want to have Mike on. I want to talk to Mike. And then you came out with a book yourself and I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity. So it's called Doing to Done, Productivity Made Simple. And then there's another subtitle, Illustrated for Busy People Like Us. I don't know if everybody's the same when it comes to the busy like us, but I do love the fact that this thing is illustrated. It makes it so much more approachable is probably the best word, right? 
Yeah, kind of the idea behind the book, you know, the top line idea is, you know, creating something that's an easy on-ramp to this thing we call productivity. And how do we make a conversation like this fun, approachable, give people small wins right away, and then kind of like ease them into this conversation, even though the book it has some pretty solid practices that can handle a lot of complexity that people have in their lives. But when you're overwhelmed, you know, kind of the last thing that I noticed is people wanted books that were 300 pages, 10 point font. And, you know, for an overwhelmed person, that's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> how am I going to get through this? And that's no rub on the authors. It's more a rub on the publishing industry and what they demand in a book. Like we've all read books that could have been done in about a, a third of the pages. So this book, with the illustrations and the words together, the idea was to create something where one plus one equals three or even five, because some people, the access code is through the visual. Some people, the access code is through simple, straightforward language. So I just paired those things together to introduce some really interesting concepts to help them start their journey on answering the question, how can I feel more appropriately engaged with all the different roles that I hold in my life. Yeah. And I mean, I'm holding it here in my hand right now. And I'll tell you what, it's reminiscent of Austin Kleon's books, if you're familiar with him. Oh, I am very familiar with him. And he was one of my inspirations. There you go. For this book. Yeah. Square like his. Mm -hmm. Black like his. Yep. Dan Rome, who wrote The Back of the Napkin, is another mentor of mine. If you haven't read Back of the Napkin, it, it is a book you need on your bookshelf. So yes, they were both very inspirational and models for me as I was trying to find the form factor for the book. Well, and that's the thing is like, there's the form factor of it with the illustration. All in all, simplicity is the word that applies to the form, the style, the brevity of the words, but the clarity of the words also. And then also just the idea of quick wins that starts it off. Really, it's not too wordy. It's not heavy. It's not something you're, you know, you're not diving in. This is something that I would give to people and say, hey, I just feel overwhelmed. Well, this is a place you can start from. Yeah. Some of them, the deeper lineage and legacy stories about how this became to be was prior to the David Allen Company, I was working at General Electric. And while at General Electric, I was probably like, 20 years into a career with this big kind of complicated company. I was in healthcare IT and had this like deep down itch inside of me to be some kind of creative. I didn't even know what that meant or how to express it. But one of the things that I did know is I do like to doodle and scribble and then I can write like a couple paragraphs. So I'm like, okay, if I want to try to to take one step in this direction, I will do that. And I ended up creating this blog called Zone by Zone, where I just made short, pithy stories about productivity and life and raising kids and all that kind of good stuff. And it's interesting because that blog is how I got introduced to David Allen. Because similar to you, I sent a couple of blog posts about getting things done over to the David Allen company. I ended up hearing back from Catherine as well, his wife. <laughs> And she connected David and I together. And then that started us on a journey and relationship. 
But what I learned from that blog is, is a visual plus some simple, straightforward language is really powerful. And then fast forward, David invited me to collaborate with him on getting things done for teams. So I'm like, this is the opportunity to take the beauty of getting things done and make it clearer through pictures and more simple, straightforward language, particularly for teens, right? And I had two myself and the time was right to write this book because I had been doing a lot of experiments with my own kids. And lo and behold, we published the book. And if you go and you read the comments, you'll see a lot of comments from adults like, I really like this book. Now I understand it. And then fast forward, after I left the David Allen company, I had a chance to work with Tony Shea at Zappos. Tony, just a, a beautiful visionary person. And um, I was in charge of enterprise productivity at Zappos. So in that context, I got to work with a workforce of thousands over a five-year period. So training and teaching and coaching over a longer duration, I just found myself sitting shoulder to shoulder with people drawing pictures, helping them get stuff out of their mind, explaining the origin story of their stuff and how they can clarify it. And all those pictures slowly kind of built up this picture vocabulary. And I'm like, there's a book here. It's a little different, it's a little different offering. And um, the other vision of wild success I had for the book was to make something that was easily giftable. So you could hand it to another person and the form factor, the way it touched, feels in your hands and the beautiful artwork by Christine Yan in the book. I wanted it to be something that a mentor could hand to a mentee and not feel heavy, but feel like, oh, this is interesting. There's possibilities in this. So I wanted it to, to be almost like a coffee table book at the same time as being a very potent productivity tool so people could get some key tools in their leadership toolbox at the same time. And it's fun to hear the reader feedback because many times people are like, I finished this book. I actually read it three times. I read it from coast to coast and uh, it got a lot out of it. So that was the highest form of compliment for me from a writer perspective to get people in a game where they can create a game that has small wins. And the book is really built on the premise of be kind to yourself on this journey. And it's filled with love and kindness for self, love and kindness for others, peace and understanding as you, you know, unpack your life, put it back together. So that's really what I'm shooting for is try to have this loving, gentle way into something that can be profoundly impactful in your life. Yeah, a lot of people who are either in the productivity space or study that or paying attention to it, listening to it, reading the books, listening to the podcast, et cetera, a lot of times the ethos almost comes across as productivity is a brute force science. You have to hammer away. It's grunt work. It's repeated, you know, I like to think of it as laying bricks, you know, and if you can lay one yeah. at a time, that's great. And then you trowel and that's not a hammer. That's just coating it with something that's going to solidify. But that's kind of what you were talking about, that simplistic approach, which I think it's baked into the title, Productivity Made Simple. I'd like to dive in a little bit, though, into the title, like doing to done. Now, I've read the book, so I know what you mean by that. But for those that are curious, like, okay, what does that mean? What is doing to done and what is productivity made simple? How does this book differentiate itself from all the other productivity books people have already brute forced themselves through? <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. Well, doing to done is two out of the three fundamental questions in the book that if you take nothing else away from the book, these three questions help change your life. The first one is what's on your mind? That's where I always start because that's the kind of the origin story of what you're sensing and what has your attention. And then the idea of writing that down and externalizing it is step number one. And that's the step where most people stop. That's what their to-do list looks like. And the second step in the book is called transform it. So this stuff that had your attention, we're not done with it yet. That act of writing it down produced something that you can see now. That list of things you wrote down becomes the input process for the second step, which is how do we determine if you need to do something? And if yes, what's doing look like? And then what's done look like? These doing done statements are the foundation of a trusted system. And everything's built off of that after the book, because once you get that stuff broken down into uh, a doing statement, which is simply just imagine yourself as an action hero and you're in a scene and the director says, action, like, what are you doing right away? Are you calling somebody? Are you drafting something? Are you eating? Are you nailing something in the wall? What are you doing? So it's an action verb plus a phrase. And the book simplifies it to say, just name one next action. One. That's all you need. You don't need 50. Don't need to overthink it. <laughs> and that's where a lot of people get tripped up is in the overthinking, which creates overwhelm. So my minimum viable product for the doing is just one next action. And then the done statement is you can think of it as an open loop. And when is that loop going to be closed? That's the finish line. So that's, you know, action outcome thinking. What's the outcome I'm trying to get to? So the done statement is simply a phrase and some kind of done verb, completed, finalized, ratified, published, shits, built, fixed. So those two statements, the doing statement and the done statement, put you, the hero of that little story, on a journey. So. The other parts of the book simply help explain the origin story of why you're on that journey. Like, you know, why do I have to build a deck? Well, maybe you have a role called, you know, house manager, husband, or wife. And one of your tasks is to build a deck on the back of the house. And so that's part of the origin story. Oh, that's a role that I hold. That's where that stuff comes from. So one of the, the, the key things in doing to done is a very much a simplicity in the doing and done statements. And then we organize your doing and done statements by the different roles that you hold in life. And when people can see their agreements that they made with themselves and others, the, the done statements organized by the roles that they have in their life, then they start to see, oh, here's all the stuff I've committed to. Here's all the agreements that I made. And now the game is how do I close those loops? And if you look at a built out doing to done system, say in Todoist, what it looks like is you have a category called roles, 
Then under that, you get a bunch of projects. And then each project has one next action. And that one next action, when you take it, creates momentum. And the game is as simple as that. That's the foundation. And there's a couple other tools in there. One's called a, a project clarity map, which for projects that are a bit more complicated that need more thinking, we can unpack those using that tool. So at the end of the day in the book, there are four repeatable wins, sweep it, transform it into doing and done statements. So now it's externalized. Now you have something to review. So the third step is review it. And then the fourth step is do it. So now you can make a priority choice on what to do. And then we have two maps. One is called a role clarity map that helps you see the wholeness of your life because you're a deliciously complex human being. And then we have another map called the project clarity map, which helps you create clarity on projects you're working on for yourself. Or if you're working on a project with others, it makes sure others get on the same page, literally. So you can delegate projects more effectively. You can receive projects more effectively. You can launch projects more effectively. So that's it. Those are the, you know, the three main components in the doing to done toolbox. You got the four repeatable wins and two maps and handles almost anything. Now that was a pretty big info dump and a lot of people are thinking, okay, wait, I thought this was made simple, <laughs> but I assure you that as I was following along with what you said, I could follow along in the book and, and I, after going through the book, I could see that there is an increasing accounting for the complexity that naturally happens. We aren't just people that have a list of three things every day to do and that's it. We wear multiple hats. We have multiple projects in those hats and then multiple tasks in those projects, in those tasks, and see there's where the complexity starts to break out into, you know, a mind map in all directions. Yeah. One of the other influences on this book was a book called Business Model Generation. I don't know if you've read that or Value Proposition Design, a very visual book as well, but they have something called a, a business model canvas. So instead of using the word canvas, I use the word maps. And maps allow you to define the territory. And then when I'm working with people or readers reading the book, we can point to a specific territory in the map, hold our focus and conversation about it. Some maps are larger in perspective. They're macro maps. So it helps me answer the question, at what level do you want to have this conversation? Do we need to rise up out of it all? All of that chaos going on just to kind of look at the bigger picture and then define something. So when we go back down and have a conversation, there's a sense of clarity. There's a sense of alignment. There's a sense of attaching your actions to a larger why instead of just going directly to how. Why do you want to do these things that you want to do? So yes, I did give a big yeah, data dump there. So, you know, I apologize to the listeners for that. It's just a series of maps to hold the conversation with yourself and potentially with others. Well, and there's a there's a time and a place for macro versus micro. It's like a microscope. You zoom in, you zoom out or on maps, you pinch and zoom or you, you know, pull away so you can there's it's time and place. It's sometimes you've got to look and be on macro level for a bit to get alignment and then you zoom in and the same way works with our minutes, our hours, our days, our months, our years. You got it. You got it. 
you know, the beginning of the book kind of starts out with why I got into productivity in the first place. And it was simply because I was at a dinner with my wife and I couldn't, for the life of me, pay attention to her because I had so much overwhelm on my mind. And I realized the heartache it caused in the moment and then the heart breaks it was causing for me when I was making these, you know, statements to my kids like, hey, dad, can you play? Uh, Yes, I'll play later. And and then later wouldn't show up because I was still preoccupied with work because I was trying to store everything on my mind. And at that point, I realized I was at this transition because prior to that, just a couple of years before, I was a young single guy. I could, you know, work more hours, work more weekends and drink more coffee and brute force my way through my work ethic. I would knock it out of the park because I could work harder than anybody. Fast forward a couple of years, you know, kids, more complicated job, married, in-laws that are sick, staying with us. Life got overwhelming, just got promoted just to the edge of my competence. (laughs) And then I was like, this brute forcing this is not working anymore. I need a system, a strategic system, so I can allocate my energy to the things that matter most more consistently. So that really kind of led me on on this bigger journey of productivity. But it is the wisdom that I try to deposit in this book as well, is how do I go from overwhelm to feeling appropriately engaged with all the different roles in my life? Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going back to where we started with, you know, basically addressing what's on our mind and then taking that one next step of, well, what's the one next action on that? With those two things, that's a very simple approach that most people aren't even dealing with the first one. They're so busy. They're so much in forward momentum and action and just reaction, really, that they're not stopping. They're not pausing. They're not doing the work or the pausing, really, to address the what's on their mind. What do you suggest we do to that person that's hearing this and saying, that's me? 
What do they do to get in touch with the what's on their mind first? Yeah. So, you know, the what's on your mind piece is, is a really, it's a simple act of naming the thoughts that are happening in the brain. In the book, we have a picture called the party in the brain. And the party in the brain picture has all these really interesting characters. But what it represents is you have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. Okay, so it starts to create a little separation. And part of the act of creating separation is naming the thoughts and writing them down. So that's what we call the brain sweep. So, you know, there's many effective behaviors for a brain sweep. One is you could do it first thing in the morning. You grab a cup of coffee, you sit down, and then you write the things down that are on your mind. I have one client where she does a a brain sweep at the end of the day. She works at home, you know, like a lot of us do. But she needed a way to signal that her workday was done and her personal day is starting. So she does a work brain sweep at the end of the day. Not only does she capture what's on her mind with respect to work, but it's a trigger to say, I've now transitioned so I can focus on family. So the brain sweep, you know, we recommend, I recommend just five minutes, just a five minute dump of what's on your mind. And that gets it from the swirly, tornado-y nature of what's going on up there in the head to something very concrete. What felt like 50 ended up being 10 things once you write them down. And I would say that having a regular interval, basically a regular check-in with yourself or with the party to see, yes, you know, okay, who's really here? Who's here that really matters in the room, you know, in the room in your brain and the party in your brain, so to speak. Yeah. Well, writing it all down doesn't even judge it. It just says, let's get it all out. And then determining what matters is part of the next step. So as you look at the things that you wrote down, we ask a question, is this something that I I need to take action on, something I'm committed to? The answer there is yes or no. And if yes, going back to the second part of your question, If yes, the very simple question is, what's the one next action you could take to move this thing forward? And I'll give you a really kind of specific story about this. And it involves my daughter, Hannah, when she was a junior in high school. I walk into her room. She was sitting on her bed, books spread out, phone on her bed. And she was applying for colleges. She was taking classes. And she was just sitting there numb like tears just hanging from her eyelid. And I'm like, Hannah, what's going on? And she was just super duper overwhelmed. So you have a choice as a dad at that moment. It's like, give her the the academic dad lecture about productivity and how you can do all this kind of stuff. But instead of doing that, what I what I knew was I knew the power of brain sweep and I knew a power of one next action. So I, I asked, Hannah, for her permission, can I just spend 15 minutes with you? And I just want to ask you two questions. And then at the end of 15 minutes or whenever we're done, I will exit. That's my promise. There's no dad lecture here. I just want to help you discover. So luckily I got her permission. And the first thing we did is we wrote down what was on her mind. So she wrote a list and then I asked her, okay, for this list, What's the one next action you need to take on each of these things to move it forward? And as she started writing those things down, you could see her posture change. 
You could see her breathing better because she had clarity on what she needed to do to create momentum. And it took the stress, the anxiety out of the moment and said, okay, okay, I got this. These are small little wins that I can do. So it worked really well. And it took less than 15 minutes. And I helped her discover the wisdom inside her. Because that's what doing to done is all about. It's helping a person discover the wisdom that you already have to determine the appropriate next step that you can take to create a little momentum. A little. We're not asking you to complete the whole thing. Just one step forward in the right direction. So if you take nothing else out of the book or or don't even read the book, just use these two questions. What's on your mind? Spend five minutes making a list and then ask yourself, is it actionable? If yes, what's the one next action you would take to move something forward? Period. That is the foundation that productivity stands on, no matter the discipline, because it all relies on knowing one next action to take. And when you take it, something happens, like the world will give you more information back. So, you know, going back to the book, one distinct decision I made was to really emphasize one next action, not the five next actions, not the 20 that you could be doing, but just one. And that is a liberating force. One of the things that I've found for me personally, but also in talking with others that just becomes a true source of procrastination is not dealing with these two questions. It's first in the, I don't even know what's on my mind. It feels like 50 when it's really only like 10. So taking the time, like you just said, to pause whatever regular interval it is, not judging those things, but sweeping them, getting them out where you can visually see it. You can deal with it. But part two This is where a lot of people get hung up and it comes to procrastination as well, because even if we know this nagging thing and we can identify it, we don't know how to break it down. We know it has multiple parts. We know it's this big amorphous project, but we don't know what that first next step is. And when we finally say, oh, well, wait a second. In the same way that the 50 becomes 10, it was 50. We thought it was 50, but it became 10. Same thing for these projects. It's like, I don't know, go to the store. There's a million things to get. Oh, okay. Well, I've got to plan out, you know, all the different meals and I've got to then come up with the list and then I've got to go and go down the right aisles for the right groceries, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, come to find out. Oh, no, we've already got a bunch of stuff in the freezer. We just need something for tomorrow for a specific instance. Okay, well, then it's just this one ingredient we need and like two more. And because you named those and identified those, this is probably not the best example, but you can see where I'm going. Yeah. If we take your example and one of the intentions I see a lot when I coach people is in wellness. Okay. So one of the the places in wellness that involves a grocery store is, okay, I want to improve Uh, my eating habits. So the done statement is, you know, eating plan version 1.0 defined. And now we go down to the idea of what's the one next action. It might be to write that brand new shopping list that honors the habit that is in the intention of the project. 
So that could be a very clear one next action that a person could take to start a journey towards a wellness plan that you know, works for them in their current reality, whatever that is. And many times on something like that, it's, it's the simple act of going from zero, not knowing to one, one thing that creates momentum. So when you're at the grocery store and you're looking at that list and you're looking at the ingredients, the intention behind that list that you just created is now tied to the intention of that wellness project and you're shopping differently. So I'd like to blend what you started with, with that intention and show how that one next action thinking and that done thinking can help you really accomplish big, big things. But notice how small the move was to move towards that. The one next action in the grocery store leads to something different being in your pantry than was there before. I was telling my my wife the other day, I'm like, if you have a bag of chips in my pantry, my willpower gets tested 20 times in a day. If we have a system where there's no chips in my pantry, my willpower doesn't have to get tested at all. <laughs> so, and then we get into the notion of decision fatigue and, and all that kind of stuff. So really, it's all about designing systems. That's why we call it your trusted system. It has to work within your context. Do something that you trust that enables you and creates the conditions for you to the, be the best you that you can be in a moment. And if you're not in a moment, just be kind to yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and going along with that, being kind to yourself, it's one of these things that I've learned over time and observe in others when I've observed it in myself and don't love that it's there. But again, trying to be kind to myself and others is this idea of there is a lack of momentum and a definite evidence of procrastination because I thought that the thing was so big that, okay, I was just going to have to block out two hours and just, again, brute force my way through the thing. When in fact, if I had gone the direction and inevitably this is what ends up happening is I go the route that you're talking about here. What is it? Okay. It's this. What does doing look like? It's this. Okay. What's the one next action? It's this. And when doing that one next action, suddenly I discover that one next action. Oh, I thought that was going to be a half hour thing or didn't know how long it would take at all. You suddenly discover it takes so much less time than you thought it was going to. And instantly you're moving and you realize what the next one is. And the next one is really quickly and maybe even jump in and do those because they're two to three to five minute things too. And instead of just doing that one thing, you've done three to five steps or all of the thing so much faster than you thought it was going to take. And you had put it off for weeks and months, but you suddenly just did it in less than a half an hour. And you carried that half an hour of stress with you for months as a chip on your shoulder and a weight like a monkey on your back. I see myself in that story a thousand times over. And sometimes not even a half an hour. It's like, send the email. It took me five minutes to write the email, press send. And amazing things have happened after that. But I had been thinking about that email for like three months, just letting it rattle around. <laughs> yeah. So I, th I think, like you said, I think that if no one takes anything else away from this conversation, other than those two questions of, what's on my mind and what's the one very next action that you need to do, 
Those are hugely impactful questions that can routinely and simply be addressed and done and create instant momentum. Profound questions. And I'm always amazed, like, of the simplicity and complex systems. So this is like the simplest component of any complexity that you're handling, no matter how big, like you, you want to go to, you know, you're launching a rocket or you're buying a car or you're determining summer camp for your kids. What's the one next action you need to do to create momentum? And it's the beauty of that statement when written, if it's got a nice verb in front of it, and then a phrase, what it becomes is a micro instruction for you. So your brain doesn't have to think about it anymore. So if you go into the world, the worlds where there is high stakes for high psychological pressure situations, like if you're down in Antarctica, or if you're on a submarine or something like that, there are manuals that are broken down into the Next action statements, turn this knob, turn it right, turn the red knob right. (laughs) So the clearer you are on your next action, the less thinking you have to do. And in the book, I call that a love note to your future self. So when your future self sees it, it's like, thank you, past self. You wrote that so clear that there's no resistance. You know, I can do this. And then The spirit of the book is when you do that, that's a small win. And recognize it, honor it, feel your confidence rise when when you take it, and then feel the momentum building as well. It's a beautiful thing to witness. So obviously, after having gone through those two questions, it ties in to what I think a lot of people would be familiar with is semi-Pomodoro method type approach where you have these work beats that are five minutes, 15 minutes, or 15 plus minutes. Can you explain a little bit how having done what we just talked about then fits into those work beats? Yeah. So first of all, what is a work beat? A work beat is simply a micro agreement that you make with yourself to go in to a situation, do something for a period of time and stop. And I call that in, do, win. So you're holding your attention, you're holding your focus for a period of time, and then you're giving yourself permission to stop. And when you do that, you keep an agreement with yourself. And when you keep an agreement with yourself, your confidence rises. And the highest form of a work beat, you can think about it almost as meditation and motion. You're doing some work, but you are not the work. You're doing the practice of the practice. It's the smallest move. Now, work beats can come in all different kinds of styles, but there's two different kind of categories. There's batching beats. So you can batch like beats together. Like I have a lot of calls I need to make. Or there's blocking beats. So when you're talking about assigning a duration to a beat, that is a blocking beat that might end up in your calendar. So in the book, and, and just in all the coaching that I've done, I, I've noticed three major patterns. There's a micro beat, anything you can do in under five minutes. There's like a main work beat, which is about a 15 minute work beat. And then there's a deep work work beat, which is 15 minutes plus, you know, usually like 15 minutes sprints, I don't know, strung together 
Like if you're doing deep work, coding or uh, working on a spreadsheet or working on a story or writing or something like that, that would be a deep work work beat. Now, this ties into the, the notion of projects and next actions. It also ties into why do those projects exist because of the roles that you hold in your life. So a work beat is simply an act of in, do, win, keeping an agreement with yourself that can move something forward. And uh, you can have health work beats. You can have a sales work beat. You can have a mom work beat. You can have a meditation beat. You can have all these kinds of fun beats that you name for yourself. And what you'll start to you know, find out for yourself, and this is made very clear in the role clarity map, is there are beats and practices per role that when you do some things over and over again, they create a lot of value for you. So for example, in my role of me self, if I do three things, if I swim and I write and I share, those are three practices that I had beats around, then really good things just kind of emerge out of that. So a work beat is just a tiny little container for holding your attention over a period of time. And you can use it in a lot of different fun ways to kind of optimize what you're doing in your life. See, and this is where kind of it's, they're like containers of time that you, you yeah. use to, you designate and then use to carry slash dump out those things that you were procrastinating on. And then they get done. They get done. They get done. And not only that, a beat will, the tune, the tone, the tempo of a beat that you hold will change over time as you work at it. You're like, man, all I need to do is take one next action and it'll create some momentum. And then you just package that either in a five minute beat or a 15 minute beat. And then you're making an agreement with yourself of how long do I want to hold my attention on this thing today in current reality? I was having a conversation with a coaching client recently. So some, some of your listeners might find this applicable or, or perhaps interesting is that Sometimes in life, we have X amount of energy to give in a day. And as you move through life, particularly as you get older or sometimes when you're sick, you find that window of energy closing down to a smaller window of viable time that I have to work in today. So the notion of work beats for this person really helped because she created for herself like five-minute gardening beats where I just need to walk out do this with my plants, water them, and then walk back in, sit down and reclaim some energy because this person was having some issues where their energy was compromised. But she felt great about finding these beats where she could feel good about herself, even in a low energy state. And it's just a beautiful thing to know that I can no matter what the constraint is in life, energy-wise, time-wise, resource-wise, that I can always find a little bit of beauty, a beat to live into in the moment and, and just express myself. So that's kind of, the, kind of the spirit and the nature behind the idea of the beat as well. That's awesome. I love that. As we wind down here, I'd love to kind of point people to, one, the fact that even though you listed off a bunch of stuff earlier that's also in the book that we are not touching. 
And even though it is a short and compressed and, and again, illustrated and easily and accessible book, there's so much more that we didn't touch in this conversation that's left for them to jump in on on the book, which is great. So there's a lot of value left. I'd love for people to be able to connect with you as well as find out more about the book and find out more about your your masterclass stuff that you're doing as well. So where can we go to find out more about that? And I'll list that all up in the show notes. Yeah, so the um, the main site is doing to done D O I N G T O D O N E dot com, doing to done dot com, and there you will find the book. You'll find it in paperback and ebook format. I'll draw your attention to a webinar that's on there that's uh, will introduce you to the three most powerful questions, and that's free, so you get a chance to look at that. And then I do have workshops that people can access. And if anybody wants to reach out, it's Mike at doingtodone.com. And love to have a virtual coffee with, with folks and share what's on my mind, hear what's on your mind as we all are in this together. I like to say we're all alone in this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh- I know there's a lot of people who have probably gotten some clarity, I hope, out of this conversation. And I know I did. I mean, it was a very, I mean, you know, this, you talk about productivity and you work with people in it for so long. You're kind of like, what's left to discover? What's left to deal with? What's left to, you know, to dig into? And sometimes it takes drilling down or going back to the essence like we did today. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I mean, productivity fundamentally is a never ending storytelling machine. So all those doing to done statements that you have, they're a reflection of you going on a journey. And it's just a beautiful thing to witness, to watch, to create, because you're in the driver's seat and you can create the journeys that you want to go on. So so it's really a way to unleash and find the wisdom within you. And so you can apply it and improving your life and, and the lives of those around you or who you're influencing, whether you're you know an individual contributor, a manager, a leader, or community member, clergy, you know, it works in all kinds of different situations. Yeah, definitely. Well, on that note, again, I'll link up to everything we talked about in the show notes here. And Mike, great talking with you. And this will be the first of many, I hope, times where you'll be on the show moving forward. So thank you so much for being here. Eric, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mike Williams like I did. If you haven't already, check out the book, Doing to Done, Productivity Made Simple, illustrated for busy people like us. I'm fascinated with this book. I, I Honestly, it has, since going through it, as well as going through the conversation with Mike, this book is like the perfect thing to give away to a graduate or honestly, if if you just need to hit reset on your productivity in whatever way, shape or form that means for you, this is a great place to start. It's short, it's sweet, but it's potent and it's simple. I can't stress enough how simple this is. And yes, as you go through the book, there is an increasing amount of allowance for complexity, but not forced complexity, if that makes sense to you. So I think that you'll get it. I think that, again, it's so short. It's so awesome that it's compacted and it's square. And in that kind of short, sweet, illustrated format, I think you're going to love it. You got to check it out. Anyway, links to everything we talked about are in the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. 
Just search Mike Williams there when you go. Or if you're in your podcast player app of choice listening to this right now, the links are right there in front of you. While you're there, hit the share button. Do me a favor. Do Mike a favor. Think of somebody that you know needs to hear this conversation. Share it with them. Hit that share button in your podcast player or over on the show notes again at beyondthetodolist.com. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening. And I will see you next episode.